You're listening to Your Day Brighter, the podcast, real reasons to have hope in this world. Hi, I'm your host, Tracy Tiernan, and I'm excited to bring to you a conversation with a man that I like to call a a local treasure. Really, he's a national treasure. He's a global treasure. Best-selling author, Wayne Thomas Batson. He lives right here in, uh, in our hometown in Maryland. He's been writing books for young people, uh, fantasy books, uh, tales of great adventure, stories that you can get swept up in and, and you can see the themes of faith. You can see the themes of doing what's right and, and making the right choices and uh, self-denial and courage. His stories have been thrilling fans, young readers and old readers too, I'll admit, for, for many years. And Wayne is also a teacher at Folly Quarter Middle School in Howard County, Maryland. Wayne and I get to talk about not only his new book that's coming out, we're going to talk about what it's been like to teach middle schoolers during a pandemic. And we're going to hear a bit about Wayne's faith as well and how that has has carried him through. So sit back, relax, grab a cup of something warm and wonderful and listen in on this conversation with best-selling author and veteran teacher, Wayne Thomas Batson. Hi, Tracy. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to see you. It's so great to see you too, Wayne. I'm just honored to be able to spend some time with you tonight. Um, We're going to talk about your new book, that's just come out uh, based on, it's a modern retelling of my all-time favorite, uh, A Christmas Carol. It's called A Christian's Carol. It's a modern retelling of the Dickens classic. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But before we do, I've got to ask you about the awesome space that you're in right now. It looks so cool. Where are you right now? So I'm in my home office, uh, which I didn't have before last March. (laughs) Uh, So uh, now that we're teaching uh, from home, I had to do something to jazz this place up because uh, my classroom at school, at Folly Quarter Middle School, is uh, like a castle. It's painted to look like the interior of a castle with tapestries and banners and things like that. But I couldn't fit all that junk in here, so I at least grabbed the banners. (laughs) <laughs> it really looks fantastic. Thank you. So when you've been teaching um, middle school English, right? English and reading um, and uh, various other subjects. This is year number 30. <gasps> oh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I was going to say, what is it, like 20 years? Year number 30. Year number 30. I don't understand how that could be possible. The math doesn't add up. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> and teaching for 30 years, I know you really have a passion for young people absolutely, and to help them grow and learn and become all that God created them to be. It's come out in your writing. And I, I got to ask you, this has been like the weirdest year ever. How has what you know about teaching been flipped upside down? Tell me what teaching in 2020 has been like for you. So it's been a steep learning curve and, uh, props out to all my my teacher brethren and sister out there because uh being thrown into virtual uh teaching was not an easy transition uh just 
there was the teaching, which is always there. There was the lesson planning, which was always there. But then on top of that, there were, you know, 50 new apps and, you know, things to learn uh, to be able to engage the students online as opposed to in person. So that took a pretty big adjustment. But um, but after that, after the uh, baptism by fire, uh, it, it's actually become kind of cool. Uh, I mean, hey, I can teach from the beach. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's kind of unique because uh, having, well, last year I taught some sixth graders at Folly Quarter when we were in person, and I have them again as seventh graders this year. And it's been really interesting to see that uh, the digital format actually brings out some of their personalities. Kids who would hide in the classroom um, are you know, outspoken in the digital classroom and, and vice versa. Some of the kids who were uh, nutballs <laughs> in the classroom, they, they are not like that online. Um, so it's, it's been unique. It's been fun to be able to see that change in them. That is really interesting. So for some kids, it's actually a safer place for them to express who they really are. It's it's funny. I even know some young people who are maybe a little bit more shy mm -hmm. um, in person, but have the most just winsome, interesting, engaging personality online. Um, but then you, if you know them, you're like, wow, I think you're probably more of an introvert, aren't you? And they're like, yep, but online they have this freedom to express and feel maybe yeah. a little safer. You have been a teacher for a long time. What has kept you at it all these years? What's behind that passion? Uh, easily it's the kids. Um, they, uh, I've always, for one reason or another, I've always kind of gravitated toward <laughs> teaching middle school. Um, I think that the age group there, uh, some people think they're just way too squirrely and crazy and how could you do that for a living. Um, I love it. I love their spontaneity. I love their curiosity. They're not jaded. Um, they're uh, willing to volunteer. I mean, I joke that, you know, when I ask for a volunteer, you know, I get 50 hands before I even know, before I've even told them what they're volunteering for. Is that right? They're just, just, they're just amazing. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it keeps me uh, young at heart and keeps me engaging uh, people on a, an important level, you know, and even in, even in the digital classroom, it, it gives me an opportunity to, to hopefully serve God um, with people in a, a broader, uh, with a broader audience. Mm -hmm. How have you found that uh, teaching online has uh, maybe highlighted some of the, the special gifts that you have of storytelling. Do you, have you tried anything a little uh, different? Have you experimented a little oh bit? Oh my gosh, yes. So I'm one of the classes I'm teaching this year is called Dig Digital Citizenship. So it's just uh, all about, you know, helping kids to have a productive and protected experience online. And uh, so the author and me about midway through the, the first quarter was like, wait a second, 
I could make this class like a role-playing video game where it's kind of like the matrix. It's us against the, uh, the robots, the bots are the enemy and the students are all fighting and learning digital citizenship rules to use that to combat the bots. And so it's, it's been an absolute blast. When I, when I first told my one class about it, they cheered. <laughs> they did. Yeah, and there were a couple of kids in that class who were, are, how would, how shall I put that? They're just really special, but super shy kids. And a, a couple of them were just like, oh, I love role-playing games. I, I can do this, you know? And, it, and of course, then it gives me a chance to ham it up. So I'm like, all right, this is, uh, this is director Z with your mission today. <laughs> you know, we're fighting the bots, prepare. <laughs> Oh, I love this. Um, now we're going to talk about Wayne's new book. I promised you that in just a moment, but I, I got to share a Wayne Batson story if I can, because this is a very tender story close to my heart. And Wayne, I know that you'll remember when Gary and I first began courting and I first got to meet his kids. Gary is the father of six. He's now my husband of seven years, believe it or not. Wow. I know. I can't even believe it. Um, when we first started courting and I got to meet his kids, you know, I'm new in their lives, getting to know them. And I, I so wanted to, gosh, I just wanted to impress them. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, honest, I wanted them to like me. You know what I mean? I just wanted them to like me. And I just felt like I'm just fumbling all over the place. Please, God, I just <laughs> want to have favor with them because I know they're going to be really important people to me. Sure. Uh, and I want to love them well. Please favor God, favor. Show me how to love them well. And so like one of the first in-depth conversations I had with uh, Izzy and Natalie, our two youngest, was talking to us. So what do you guys like to do? They love to read. I'm like, really? You love to read? Oh, so tell me what kind of what kind of stuff do you like to read? Who's your favorite author? And they were like, um, Wayne Thomas Batson. And I went, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I know him. Like, no, you don't. Like, no, I really do. I'm like, thank you, God. Thank you, God. <laughs> it was so crazy that connection um, because they were such big fans of your work and you were so gracious. We uh, uh, got to uh, bring them together to an event that you were at and they got to meet you and um, you just gave them such a, a wonderful memory of getting to meet one of their favorite authors, so kind and gracious. So anyway, I had to share that story. <laughs> it's well, just so special. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember I remember you telling me that story uh, at the event, I think. Uh, and uh, it was great to meet them. And I'm, I'm glad you could utilize the connection. <laughs> <laughs> you, We leverage our networks for the purpose of kingdom connections. Right. right. That's how that's how the body of Christ works, right? Isn't it? Isn't it what we do? You take the platform that you have and you use it however God wants you to use it to help uh, draw people to him, to help bless people. You have been doing that for such a long time. Is it your love for young people that really kind of catapulted you into um, writing these adventure stories? Absolutely. In, in fact, uh, I wouldn't probably wouldn't be an author if I didn't start teaching middle school, because uh, the, the, my first book, The Door Within, uh, came out of a story idea that I wrote for the students. Um, you know, this was pre Harry Potter. 
Okay, so this was, yeah, yeah back in the ancient days when we taught with chalkboards. And, <laughs> you know, the, the books that we had for our students in the book room, while some of them were classics, you know, a lot of them were really not very high interest. And so especially, uh, especially the boys weren't really into a lot of the stories we would choose. So I said, well, forget it. I'm going to write something and, and try to write what I think would, would wake them up, you know, would turn the lights on. I had, I had a friend give me a copy of the Hobbit when I was a sixth grader and that turned the lights on for me. So I set out to write a story to hopefully turn the lights on for a lot of readers. That's beautiful. When you say it turned the lights on, um, awakened them to a sense of adventure and purpose. And um, I know you write stories that have such uh, deeply spiritual truths embedded in them, much like The Hobbit and, you know, adventure stories like that, fantasy, adventure. So you wanted to do a retelling of A Christmas Carol, which is a bit of a departure Mm-hmm. from some of your your themed writing in the past. Let's talk about your new book. Um, okay. It's Christmas time. People are probably watching A Christmas Carol because there's like, you know, 30 different versions that you can get. <laughs> know, um, right? My favorite one may be, I love the old one with Alistair Sim, mm-hmm. sort of in black and white. Yep. Um, and I, I really like the one with Jim Carrey. The, the animation on that one is amazing. That was really well done. Do you so obviously you love a Christmas carol. Do you have a favorite version of it? And why were you drawn to it? Tell me about that. So uh a Christmas Carol, uh there, there are a couple of reasons why I was drawn to it. One, I, I kind of was raised on it. Um my parents always watched it and they were particular to the George C. Scott version. Ah. And uh and so that kind of became my favorite version as well. So, you know, uh here we are uh, years and years later. My kids are now in their 20s. I know, it's scary. Oh my gosh. Every year without fail, Christmas Eve, we watch the George C. Scott version of A Christmas Carol. Um, and I guess what, what draws me to the story is um, it's, it's a story about someone that it's, everyone can look at and go, oh, well, I'm not that bad. You know, that guy, Scrooge, he is messed up. I'm yeah. not that bad. And yet, you know, by the end of the story, spoiler alert, he's redeemed. And, you know, just that scene with George C. Scott kicking off his slippers and doing a, you know, not a backflip, but flopping back onto his his bed. He's, he's praising God and he's he's cheering and, you know, just seeing a heart change like that, you know, has always given me hope. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I trust the scriptures. I trust what Jesus says. But in this world, um, there can be some dark times where you're just thinking, oh, I, there's no way he could save a person like me. And, you know, you see a, a movie like that or read a story like that. And the truth just comes blasting through. Mm-hmm. You know, you cannot out sin grace. Mm. Wow. That's amazing. Did you hear that? You cannot out-sin grace. Your sin is no match for the grace of God. That's right. That's, that's such a, a powerful truth. And so you set out to retell one of your very favorites, um, A Christmas Carol. It's called A Christian's Carol, a modern retelling 
of the Dickens classic. It's on Audible to let to let people know. Um, I've been listening to it. It is brilliantly narrated by your friend Dave Cruz. Uh, and utterly captivating. Can you take us into the world of your character? Ebenezer Crow, and tell us a little bit about him. And uh, uh, how is he like the Ebenezer Scrooge of A Christmas Carol, but maybe kind of up to date, a guy that we could wrap our brains around in today? Sure. Yeah. So Ebenezer Crow is, uh, he's every bit uh, a miser like Scrooge, um, but it's not so much about the money. Uh, it's really about, well, he thinks it's about personal character and morality. Um, he has very firm ideas about what's right and wrong. He, he has a, a sort of Christian faith, but I think it's the, I think it's the kind of Christianity that sometimes really rubs people the wrong way when, when someone takes it very legalistically and uses it as a hammer against people. Yeah. You know, other other travelers on this journey get, you know, beaten down by someone who shames them, tries to shame them into the kingdom. And, you know, that's just not the way to go. And so uh, it, it, I don't really know that I've ever had someone like Ebenezer Crow in my life, but I, I've known a lot of people who have. And, uh, it can be really disruptive. In fact, you know, I've talked to people about why they're hesitant to come to faith, to believe in the Lord. And, well, I had this experience in church or I had this experience in Sunday school. Yeah. And, you know, that that kind of stuff, even though it's not as frequent as the movies and tabloids would make it seem, it does happen. And uh, it's a really sad thing. And we should be all about welcoming people into the church, not scaring them away. Mm, legalism. Um, when affinity uh, 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 for the rules and the law kind of overtakes someone, it makes it very hard to receive grace. Yeah. That's what we see in your character, Ebenezer Crow. He's very judgy. Yes. He kind of looks down on everybody. And you bring out some really interesting themes in, in the book, Wayne, um, where you have different kinds of people that might even look the part of an upstanding citizen, you know, business attire, hanging out with the punks or the punk rockers. That's right. And Ebenezer has a really hard time with that. Like you all hanging out together doesn't make sense. Right. Like right. He, can't, he can't wrap his brain around that. Can you tell us a little bit about the the ghosts that come to visit Ebenezer Crow? And what, what are some of the modern issues that are uh, assaulting our hearts today, much like in um, Ebenezer Scrooge's time, but keep us from being willing to receive grace and to trust yeah. God? Yeah, well, I think first to, to to talk about the ghosts a little bit, you still have the ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future, but they're more like angelic beings um, or demonic beings, depending on which way you want to look at it. Yeah. Um, and with uh, these three spirits, uh, one of them, one of them is not out for uh, Ebenezer Crow's good. One of them wants to destroy him. One of them is glad he's a judgmental 
fool and wants to see him end his life that way. Mm. So uh, you, you get the ghost of Christmas past taking Crow through lots of different memories. We, we see a little bit about maybe why Ebenezer Crow is as judgmental as he is. Um, we travel with him into the present where a lot of his family and friends are on Christmas. And we see, we see the kind of uh, ripple effect, the chain reaction that Crow's interactions with these people have, even when Crow's not around. You know, these things that impact somebody's life in, in a profound way. Um, and then, of course, uh, the spirit of Christmas yet to be. Uh, whew, that one always scared the devil out of me when I was a kid. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I tried to capture that creepiness uh, in, in the book because uh, the future, while it'd be neat to, to look into the future and see what's going on, there might be some things we might not be too quick to want to see. Right, right. That's the one that chills me the most, too, by, by the way. Um, yeah, it's there's something about this story that is just fascinated us for generations. Yeah. The idea that we could be transformed, uh, the idea that we could um, have a different perspective of our past, um, see things that we missed along the way, um, see our, our, our present circumstances in, in a different way with a different view. And then that, that what potentially very scary view in the future, if we continue down the path that we're on. But I know you know, and what you want people to know is that, that God is always making a way for us to turn in his direction. Yeah. Hey, this is Tracy. Going to take a pause just for a moment and say thank you so much for listening to the podcast, Your Day Brighter. And uh, remember, each week we have a new episode, a conversation with someone who is just doing their best to uh, bring a little light to this world, fascinating people with amazing stories and wisdom to share and love sharing these conversations with you. So thank you for being a part of it. We would love it if you would share the podcast, if you would subscribe, and if you would also leave a review, that's so other people can find it, okay? Now we're gonna get back to my conversation with Wayne Thomas Spatson, best-selling author, veteran teacher, and a man of deep faith. Why is this theme of transformation and grace, why has it gripped you so much? Why does this mean so much to you? Well, honestly, uh, on a fairly personal level, it's my only hope. <laughs> um, Mine too. It's, uh, it's just, you know, uh, you go through uh, life growing up and you figure your parents have it all together, right? Um, and then you, you become a parent and you're like, wait a second, I don't have it all together. You know, what's going on? Uh, this, this world is still shocking me with the, the horrendous things that are happening. Um, and I'm shocking myself with my own horrendous things. Uh, so, you know, God help me. Um, yeah. I, I figure, you know, the, the, the more I explore grace and the more I realize just how free it is, I recognize, you know, God had to factor in our own stupidity 
when when he came up with this plan of salvation he's like look look guys i've got to make this easy for you because you're pretty much sheep you 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 think you know what's going on but you don't and you keep bumping your heads on things that are substitutes for me and they don't work so so here let me roll it out for you let me give you this free gift all you have to do is look up and say rescue me lord and bam you're a new creation over and over and over again and 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 here's the thing about this amazing truth that you're sharing with us is yes uh, bam just like that he is available and accessible um because of his son jesus christ we can come boldly with confidence to the throne of grace and not only does um he save us positionally like instantly uh we are clothed with the righteousness of christ right. but then but then like how do i live out this life he works with us in this beautiful process of sanctification and this is the transformation that happens you know it's it's some things might be transformed immediately but for most of us <laughs> it's a process right as we get to know him yeah holy spirit works in us and he renews our minds and our hearts it's honestly the most beautiful thing i've ever seen yeah to see yeah. heart transformed and that and that kind of beauty is evidence in and of itself of the reality of god yes there's there's nothing i can fathom in in humanity that's like god like like salvation like the free gift i mean there's that's not the way we're brought up you know it's not how we learn to live life it's it's something so absolutely other that it i can't imagine it coming from any place but god but the supernatural yes and you have made it your your mission to communicate um that beautiful gospel that truth over and over again in ways that people can enter into it and understand it i i just so appreciate what you do and how you do it um wayne and in, in all the years that that you've been doing this teaching and of course just being a fabulous writer have young people come to you and asked you about the deeper meaning in the stories have you had opportunities to engage um just spiritual conversation and letting them know how much purpose they have in him yeah i uh by god's grace i i really have um when i when i first started writing the door within you know my prayer was you know just one god just one kid let one kid find you through this and um and i'll be content and god <laughs> must have sat back and laughed a good good fall there um <laughs> <laughs> because you know so so many kids over the years either in person uh and and a lot through uh you know writer mail i get emails uh all the time from kids saying you know this really meant a lot to me in this hard time or hard season um i've had a couple of uh people just absolutely blow my mind that you know they actually became christians because of you know reading something in one of my books and you know i don't i don't set out to uh, definitely don't set out to beat people over the head with you know god's word and you know when i write fantasy i try to when i write stories i want to write stories that are quality period 
Um, And obviously with caring for a message that important, it better be high quality. Um, But the message that comes through is more thematic. It's uh, usually not ultra specific uh, in terms of like, I'm not going to offer an altar call in the middle of my stories, right? Right. So, uh, but to hear kids say, you know, this was a dark time in my life and uh, I was reading this book and, you know, I, I finally understood what, you know, what Jesus did for me and I believed. So hearing that is just, you know, every, I throw every single one of those emails into a, uh, I call it a, a rainy day file <laughs> for when you're wondering, uh, all this time writing, does it really matter? Yes, yes, it does. You know, God can use even the the, the dull tools of this world. And, and you know, that, that describes what he's doing through me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that you... Um... I love that you save those to remind you so that you can keep going and that you can be encouraged. I I want to encourage you tonight and fan that flame. Uh, You are just such a tremendous gift to us all. Your writing takes us to faraway places where we get to play a part in, in an important story. And I think that's one of the themes that you touch on a lot is to be able to, to do something purposeful, that we all have a role to play, that we can be the hero in the story, that we can come through, you know? Um, oh my gosh. So uh, Wayne, I want people to know where they can get your new book, um, which is just absolutely fascinating. I, I'm listening to it on Audible, so I know you can get it there. But it's A Christian's Carol, That's a right. modern retelling of the Dickens classic. Where else can people get it besides Audible? So uh, Audible is for you know all the audiobooks, but believe it or not, Audible is owned by Amazon. <laughs> and I know, shocking, right? Um, <laughs> which hemisphere of the earth do they not own yet? But, I don't know, uh, right? No, Amazon is is where you can get a Christian's Carol. It's uh, published through Amazon, actually. So the uh, paperback or the Kindle version or the audio uh, version are all available on Amazon. Okay. I hope hope you'll treat yourself and get it. I would even say, I mean, get the book. You can get the book, but you listen to the audio. The, the brilliant narration, listen to it. It's like, it's it's kind of one of those stories that draws you in. I think of um, just the nostalgia of how it used to be where people used to gather around the radio yeah. and listen to stories on the radio. It's it's so good. Only so- the shadow knows. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, tell me about the best teaching experience you've had so far. In 2020. In 2020. So uh, I can't narrow it to one specific student experience, but uh, I think it's just being able to witness joy in their eyes um, mm. when when a lesson is going well and they get it, um, or they're maybe they don't quite get it yet, but they're just so interested in finding out. There's this expression of, you know, they're they're leaning forward instead of away. Their eyes are open. They're smiling and they're in, completely engaged. They're not sure what's coming next, but they just they're there. And 
and they don't have their masks on. Um, you know, in, in the classroom, you know, one of the first things they teach you about any disciplinary situation is when a kid's, kid's acting out, remove him or her from the audience, you know, get somewhere one-on-one -on -one so they don't feel like they have to save face. And I feel like uh, that's been kind of revolutionary in this uh, online learning experience is that students really don't have an audience. I mean, yeah, they can sort of see each other a little bit, but you know, itty bitty little boxes isn't the same as having your buddy high-fiving you. Um, and you really get to see the kids as they truly are. Mm -hmm. um, when, like some of the kids in, when we were back in person, you know, they would cause trouble in the classroom, but after everybody left, they might stick around and talk with you. And they're just the most engaging, wonderful, compassionate kids because their audience is gone and they don't have to play. They don't have to put on a mask. Wow. So that's been the best experience, I think, overall, is just getting to see the kids for who they really are. That is uh, incredibly insightful and, and so hopeful, too. What are you most hopeful about moving into the new year? Well, you know, uh, looking forward to in the new year, I, I guess I don't have any great big goals. I think it's just I want to keep keep doing what I'm doing and, uh, you know, keep trying to brighten the kids day every time I see them. And if somehow or another COVID were to completely go away, I'd probably do a backflip. <laughs> You know, I just, you know, it's, it's weird. I feel like we're living in uh, some sort of thriller novel. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. walking into uh, Walgreens tonight with my mask on and seeing other people with masks on. And it's, it's just, it's so utterly surreal. Um, I want all that to go away. I just, I want to be able to smile. I want to be able to hug people. Yeah. Um, so in 2021, I guess that would be my ultimate hope is that, you know, 2021 sees the end of COVID and uh, we can get back to hopefully a, a changed way of the new normal. Mm. That, and we take all the lessons that we learned during the season, because I know God, God's intention is always, you know, we're, we're, he doesn't waste pain. No. Well, let's grow and learn through this hard season, everything that we can and yeah. not miss a thing. It's like, I don't want to be the same at the end of all of this trauma. You know, right. I mean, I want to be better and I want to be more like him. Do you have plans to uh, write new books for, for 2021? What's, what's cooking in that amazing <laughs> brain of yours right now? And so uh, in this space that we're looking at right now, is that where you write? This is where I write. That's where the magic happens right there. <laughs> it's awesome. that's, that's where the, the chaos happens in my mind. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm, I've, I'm right in the middle of a seven book epic fantasy series called the Meridian Constellation. And uh, the first three books are already out. I'm working on the fourth book, which is called Mirror of Souls. And uh, that should be out sometime in March, I think, if the deadline holds true. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's that's the next thing um, is the fourth book in that fantasy series. After that, uh, I'm finally going to get back to I've, I've actually started an adult thriller series. 
Um, it's kind of a supernatural thriller detective on the trail of a, uh, you know, a murderer kind of thing. And uh, it's different. It's very different for me. But uh, I wrote the first one like five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> the second one has been sitting at about 30,000 words for five years. <laughs> Hopefully I'll get back to that sometime this spring. It's amazing all of the creative projects that you juggle um, as, as well as just um, every day bringing your, your heart and your soul and your passion for young people and teaching them. Thank you for who you are and what you do. Uh, you, you really are just a gift to us all. And uh, I encourage everybody to check out Wayne Thomas Batson's in, incredible, what do you call it? Uh, I want to say like, check out all of his books. <laughs> I mean, how many, how many are we up to now? How many have you written? So Mirror of Souls will be number 18. Amazing. Number <laughs> 18. And of course, um, the, the newest one that's out right now is A Christian's Carol, a modern retelling of A Christmas Carol. You want to check that out too. So Wayne Thomas Batson, we are fans of your work and um, just cheering you on. Thank um, you. And say hello to your kids from me. Please tell them I said never alone. I sure will. Your Day Brighter is produced by Brighter Media Group, Tracy Tiernan and John Lawhon. Editing by Julie Gilligan. Make sure you're subscribed, leave a review and tell us what you think of the podcast and make sure you share it with someone who needs encouragement today. Thanks so much for listening and tell somebody your story today or better yet, ask to hear their story.